Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, don't dial right this minute because we have a very special guest for uh, the rest of this half hour. We'll open the phone lines up just before 8.30, though, and we will have another 30 minutes to talk. And after that, of course, tomorrow morning, we talk gardening from 8 till 11. Right now, it's time for a visit with the Dirt Doctor. Good morning, Howard Garrett. I'm just sitting here enjoying my coffee, waiting for uh, the big storms to roll in. Are y'all going to get hit today, too? Oh, that's the latest joke out there is what the weathermen say. You know, back on Tuesday or Wednesday, they were giving us a 100% chance of rain. By uh, Thursday, it was down to 80% chance. By uh, Thursday night, it was down to 30% chance or something. And, yeah, they were predicting storms overnight, which didn't happen. So maybe, maybe not. It's We sure need the rain. My gosh, we were getting just dry, dry, dry. I don't think we've had a a storm that amounted to more than an inch of rain since the first or second week of January. So we're wishing it had happened, but sure hadn't happened yet. I think we've got a pretty pretty good chance. I'm trying to figure out. i got a couple things i got to work into the schedule somehow uh, <laughs> uh, as as to uh, when it hits. We were supposed to go to McKinney today to, to see our friend Tony Manasseri and yeah. uh, do some things, but... Uh, we may, and I was going to hang some new art. I, I finished a piece to go outdoors on the um, outside of the house, and we're going to try to hang it today. Oh, but, that's uh, fun. Having to work around the weather on all those issues. <laughs> As gardeners do. Well, speaking of the house, um, you know, year what it's been has probably been two years. You fought the big house mold issue, and uh, I've got a close friend here in San Antonio that suddenly found out they have an issue. Have you had any recurrence or any ongoing problems, or were you able to get that sort of a one-and-done deal? Well, supposedly it's done. Judy and I were uh, talking about we still have uh, some sleep issues. It may just be uh, us, and we uh-huh. were going to have the people come back and do kind of a, a follow-up check. And it's on my mind because I, I got a call about consulting on a project that's here in Lakewood where a fella actually moved out of his house and, and took his house down to the studs. He had gone through a period of time where he had not taken care of the maintenance and some raccoons had dug some holes in the roof and he got some extremely serious problems uh, with rot and mold and everything else and I'm trying to consult and help him a little bit. The uh, The system that we use uh, used a, a dry ice uh, treatment and uh-huh. hydrogen peroxide and some other things and uh, you know Ceiling off. We've got a pier and beam, so right, right. Ceiling off all the wood underneath the um, house was part of it with some stuff that won't allow the mold to grow back you know, physically. So, uh-huh. yeah, it seems to. It all seems to be working pretty well. I'm getting uh, photographs and quite a few questions from people lately showing plants that. Uh, have powdery mildew and sooty mold and things mm-hmm. like that. Apparently, it has 
flared up some. So, you know, it's the same thing there. I mean, you can treat those with the uh, hydrogen peroxide-based products and clean it up real well, but you got to get uh, the aphids under control or it's going to come back. <laughs> so there's a lot of different things involved in all that. Yeah, well, it's just the, the house mold is a serious issue. We had a, a huge... Uh, building big old commercial building five-story concrete and stone building actually ended up demolishing and starting over with that they just couldn't get it under control but this is a close friend that had uh for some reason they uh they had to open the wall in one of the bathrooms and were just horrified they said it was just absolutely black inside and they're looking at various forms of remediation and i said well I'll talk to you because I know it wasn't cheap and it wasn't overnight, but uh, you hadn't mentioned it again, so uh, I thought they must have done a pretty thorough job on it. I look forward to hearing if you if you get them out to look at look it over again. Yeah, we didn't have the black. We had the stuff that's kind of blue green. That's not as uh, dangerous. I don't know mm. what the, you know, the uh, name of it is exactly, but it it was growing on furniture in the house and oh wow wall and everything it was all through the house on clothes shoes and everything we haven't seen any signs of that oh that's good that's that's a good thing but no matter what it is i mean it's black mold or, or that or anything else i mean the hydrogen peroxide without question if you can get it to it will yep. uh, yep. we'll kill it that's kind of the key well, hydrogen peroxide just turned out to be one of the most amazing tools in our arsenal when it comes to dealing with uh, dealing with everything from virus to fungal problems of all sorts. And it's just it's almost too easy because it's so widely available, so inexpensive. And when you're using the uh, anything other than the really really strong stuff, it's so so safe and uh, and seemingly so effective. I've I've become just a huge fan of hydrogen peroxide for all sorts of issues. That's yeah, pretty good. We've, there's something kind of interesting going on just plant growth-wise to me. Everything looks healthy, healthier than normal to me and fuller. I don't know what I did differently this year. Maybe it's just the uh, weather. And even the uh, perennials, I was noticing that the uh, office, my hops vine, died completely. You know, it was up, all up on the fence and everything. It died completely, and it's coming back like gangbusters with great big shoots at the at the ground and coming back. And the, uh, a lot of the other kind of perennial vines that looked like had been totally killed are coming out very, very strongly at the uh, at the soil. The asparagus is kind of in that category, too. It's mm. really uh, been very, very productive this year so far. And... I haven't really done anything different differently than I normally do, so I guess it's just the kind of weather related, maybe. Well, I've I've seen a lot of the same thing, and and boy, things are just. I was looking at the Rangoon creeper that uh, in Roberta's garden earlier this week, and the regrowth on that, and perennial vines like the Queen's Crown and things, and. I don't know. All I can come up with is we had really, really good rains back in the fall about the time that things were going dormant. And I think a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of perennials, I think a lot of shrubs and trees went into the cold 
season uh, with more soil moisture than we frequently have and that's about all i can come up with but i tell you it's been a it's been a beautiful spring and uh over over the late winter early spring months the the annuals the snapdragons the petunias the dianthus uh they've been the prettiest i've ever seen and we've still got snapdragons that are golly they're just their florist quality blooms growing out on the plants in our gardens yeah we're seeing the same thing i was talking to somebody uh, just a couple of days ago about how pretty the dogwoods are this year a lot of times in dallas you don't even notice them that much they they bloom but not that well but boy they're beautiful this year so there's something i think you may have hit the nail on the head i think that perfect or, or even heavier than normal uh fall rain and getting them to go to sleep for the winter you know in good shape maybe had a big uh, big part in this my bamboo i'm gonna i'm gonna be really uh <laughs> doing a lot of work maintaining and managing it with my program of keeping it from invading the backyard because i can see that it is really aggressive we've continued to add a lot of wood chips and, and all back to back where the erosion problem was and i fertilized the area too so we've We've created a situation where that stuff's going to be growing like uh, common for grass in full sun. Well, tell me this. One thing we are not seeing, and uh, and that is mosquitoes. So far, I've hardly heard, no. hardly heard a single complaint about mosquitoes. Not yet. Uh, Judy mentioned seeing one or two, but I've seen very few. I've been looking for them, so it's going to be interesting uh, see what happens i'm sure when it starts to get warm they're going to explode and be all over the place with all the lush growth that we've got also i'm sure you're seeing the same thing pollen's just covering stuff oh my god yeah and the um the trees all of my uh oak trees have put down a real pretty layer of flowers on the ground i'm just leaving it as mulch you know it's a real nice fine textured mulch we were looking at roberta's just covered in yellow all over there. Oh, Roberta's golden retriever had orange feet the other day. She went running back and picked up so much pollen that her feet were literally orange. And uh, you sound a little better this week. You were mentioning that the oak pollen had uh, bothered you, and and it had me. I had several days that I just you know I'm not normally one that suffers from much of any kind of allergy, but I had scratchy vo- voice, scratchy throat, and. Uh, I went. We've got a wonderful health food store. I mean, these folks have been in business forty years. I went to Rhonda's Nature's Way and got some things from her that uh, totally natural that really seem to help. But I don't know what's different. We we've got a dozen different friends that say I never suffer with pollen allergies, and I'm just feeling horrible this year. Well, it might be uh, related to what we were talking about. Yeah. It might be that the uh, the growth is so lush and everything that we just have a, a larger percentage of the flowers and, uh, and, and thus the pollen. So it's going to be interesting to see when the hot weather hits here if this lush growth hangs around like it's showing up right now. But across the board, all the plants just really, really look good. Yeah. It's the weather sure been been very strange. You may not have seen quite the extremes, but we went from I had heavy frost at my home uh, last Tuesday morning, and by Thursday it was ninety degrees. Wow! And crazy like that. I'll tell you another another plant that uh, is in this same category we're talking about that probably benefited from that moisture, and that's the Japanese maples. A lot of times they'll. Hmm. You know, as soon as you start getting some hot weather, some of them start getting a little bit of burn uh-huh. on the 
tips and everything. Boy, there's nothing, none of that this year. They are just as lush and beautiful as uh, I've ever seen them in every every different cultivar that I've uh, looked at. Same way, they just look gorgeous. Well, if you're like we are, you're just filling up your phone and camera with images because this has just truly been one of the prettiest springs ever for so many different things. And I uh, hope you're hope you're capturing a lot of it uh, to use in in your next book, whenever that's going to be, and uh, and all your slide programs and everything you do because it's just it's just been a picture perfect year for so many different things. It's like you said, it's going to be interesting to see when when the warm when the hot weather hits and also how the the plants respond to it i had one other question i wanted to ask you to address uh we're getting so many people seems like more than ever interested in raised bed gardening and it's for different reasons some points places it's just the soil so shallow but a lot of people that can't get around as well as they once could and can't bend over the way they once did are uh, into raised bed gardening and it's gotten virtually impossible to find good mineral soil what are you telling people the best mix to put into uh, where people need a substantial quantity you know maybe even up to half a yard or a yard of soil what are you telling people that you consider the best mix for raised bed gardening well, we've had questions along those lines coming in, too, and I, it was either last week or the week before, two different angles were talked about quite a bit. One was building, both of them were building the beds up to four feet high, waist height, uh-huh. but one of them was filling it up, having it solid underneath. The other one was building it like a table, so it, there was air under you know the planting area at the top, mm-hmm. which means you'd only need 10 or 12 inches of soil or something like that. I just tell people to you know get a uh, an organic potting soil that's not peat moss based if possible yeah. and, and use that and then add the same amendments to that even that we use for regular bed preparation you know the comp- compost or good quality earthworm castings the lava sand azomite the rock powders and then mm-hmm. always a little cornmeal and and dry molasses no matter what you're starting with I recommend that I was warning one a uh, lady that called about building it with air underneath it, you know, just a, a table-like design because it's so much harder to keep it moist. And another guy called in and said he had done it, and he put some kind of filter fabric material underneath it. Interesting. And said that he had not had a problem uh, with keeping it wet enough. But I think the, the better way to go actually would be to just to build it uh, like one person called in about they built the four feet high, uh, basically three or four feet high, whatever you know the belt buckle height that people would want to have, so they don't have to bend down with haydite block, uh-huh. and then in the base of it you just put native soil. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can just put whatever native soil you can get or inexpensive soil. It's only important, really, uh, to have the prepared stuff in the top 10 to 12 inches i'd say at the most because below that 12 inches there's not enough uh, oxygen in most cases for there to be much root development anyway so it's just kind of a waste of money to improve it you know the full depth of the Mm -hmm. bed you've raised that high well, and you're gradually going to get that soil is going to be improved by all the things that leach down from the better layer above. Uh, it's interesting that the table concept, um, 
knew somebody that uh, had that was confined to a chair that just couldn't walk any longer, and they built one with uh, with kind of the tabletop that allowed them to actually roll where their legs were up underneath it, and said they could yeah. continue gardening when it had been very very difficult for them before. So there are times that yeah there that that there are real good real good reasons to do that, but it's it's challenging. My advice there was just increase the amount of lava sam because my experience is that the the lava is probably the best thing i've ever found for holding more moisture in the soil no question about it i think it helps with some other things uh, as well and i don't know maybe there's something you could do for the sides uh, well maybe the sides and the bottom too to 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 insulate it a little bit better Mm -hmm. some kind besides being a, a fabric that will drain but be thick enough to where it adds uh, some degree of insulation too, so you don't have to water <laughs> five times a day. Or <laughs> but it is a challenge if there's air under right. the root as well as on top. Uh, to uh, you definitely gonna have to water more often. There's no question about that. And I always tell people too that the the raised beds, because of the fact that we we go with so much organic material and. Uh, and like you, we, we recommend exclusively core and compost. Uh, and, and we're seeing less peat moss around down here, I'm very happy to say, because, you know, as you and I have talked, it's just not a renewable resource. But most of the places, even the box stores that we visit, just don't see bales of peat moss anymore, and that's a good thing. But uh, it's just finding the core, finding the good quality compost. But the problem is those soils are going to shrink over time. And with annuals and vegetables and things, it's not an issue. But I always warn people about woody plants they may be putting in there to plant them really high because uh, I always worry about things sinking down and then people having the tendency to fill in around them, which leads to the problems we talk about all the time with buried root flares. Well, related to that, something I was going to bring up and warn people about, I noticed in my, my own front yard the, at the office, uh, the little lacy oak that, uh, you know, I did the video of exposing the flare uh-huh. and it went from having galls, the fuzzy galls on it one year to none the next. I was out there in the front yard uh, just a couple days ago and I looked up and I'll be darned, there's galls on some not a whole lot but on some of the leaves uh-huh. and last year there, there wasn't one on the tree and i looked down and i said son of a gun and with all the <laughs> rain that we've had it's kind of filled back in a little bit yeah and my warning to people and you know it's unfortunate because it creates more work for people but even after you get a flare properly exposed you may have to amend it and and work on it more than just the one time. If there's heavy rains and silt coming in and all that, it can build back up. And lo and behold, it not only built up enough to to need to be taken out, but the gall started showing up again. I tell you, it's amazing how fast things respond. You've always talked about how much more how quickly things get much better but i guess i guess when it goes the other way that the problems can show up i can think of a lot worse problems than to have than the galls but um it it just uh, greatest demonstration out there of how important it is we've got the same thing one of the trees we exposed in the parking lot and i don't know we may eventually if we keep that tree we may have to go back in and build some sort of box around it because we had to go down a good 12 inches to really expose the root flare on that one and like you say with rain with just things just kind of blowing in and washing in it's it's filled back in two or three inches and that's uh 
I don't know when we'll get around to doing it uh, as busy as things have gotten recently, but certainly by summer we're gonna we're gonna have to look at that. But yeah, they need to not only be exposed, they need to stay exposed. Yeah, and one tip on it, uh, which is what I use, I use my big heavy hoary knife, and uh-huh. uh, I just stabbed and, and twisted and loosened it, and then used my battery uh, blower and blew it out. I mean, it was very very quick operation yeah. to do, and when it has silted back in like that, it normally is going to be pretty pretty loose and friable and easy to uh, to get out. But it is important to c- continue to do. And the other thing is don't let the vines and the ground covers go back in there because they collect debris and build up. And oh, yeah. You know, Make it a lot harder to get out, too. I don't know. Uh, you know, you're the one that turned me on to the steel power equipment with those lithium-ion batteries. And I've got one of their battery-powered blowers, and, man, that thing's like a tornado, the force of the air that comes out. And it sure is good for, like you say, you loosen it up. It's real easy to get rid of it, and uh, that's and plus it's so quiet. That's I hate leaf blowers. It seems like whenever we're dining at a restaurant sitting out on the patio, that's when the guys are going to be deciding to clean the street with the leaf blowers. But uh, that, uh, that, that battery-powered one is super powerful and so much quieter. Yeah, and you just blow it out in the grass or in the ground cover and, and waste it right around the tree. You don't need to haul it off or anything. So it's a pretty quick operation. Yeah, the sound uh, difference, I think, is major. Right? It came up in Dallas in the Park Cities some years ago. I think Nod Burnett was actually behind it with one of his customers. They actually tried to make it illegal for gasoline <laughs> blowers to be used at certain times and other equipment. Too. I it didn't go anywhere, but it, it's something that may come up again because it, especially early in the morning when it, oh, yeah. it's chirping yeah. and it's so peaceful and everything, and then the neighbors all fire up the equipment. It's definitely uh, something we'd like to have a better solution to. <laughs> well, I tell you, I don't, I don't know how much time you've put into following such things, but. Uh, I, I think it's not just steel, but all the all the people that are producing the lithium-ion battery-powered things, they have really improved those batteries over the past two or three years. They've had second and third generation to where those things charge even more quickly and hold that charge even longer. And uh, a number of my carpenter tools are the same way. I was uh, putting down a rather large wooden, redoing a wooden floor in a room in my barn, and I could not believe how many screws I could drive without uh, having to put a fresh battery in even once on uh, on my uh, uh, Bosch is the brand that I like on power tools. But anybody hadn't looked at the uh, at the battery powered equipment, it's it's people think, oh, gee, you know, it's it's just not so strong, not so powerful. But there's some amazingly good things out there now. Yeah, I have very little in my art studio and design office uh, has a cord on it anymore. It's almost all uh, electric and. and the electric ones are also indoors, uh, quieter as well. The stuff that, that uh, we're using for screws and, uh, and saws and things like that. So. Well, you need to take some more pictures of some more of your art, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing this outdoor structure. I suppose that'll probably be up on DirtDoctor.com pretty soon. Yeah, in fact, we just, uh, Doug just put up some stuff on uh yeah, you, know, you click on the red button on DirtDoctor.com up at the top, and it takes you over to the books and my art. And we're putting the specs of the art and photographs <laughs> up there so people can see it. I've, I'm delinquent in getting that done. i got a lot of stuff that we haven't shown people yet, so we'll be getting that up um, 
Uh, some more today. Something's up already. Some yep. more today, and then this week I'll try to get it all up so people can see what we're doing. Well, we'll look forward to it. And and once again, I just I just can't say enough how what a great service that you and Doug and and all your listeners do with DirtDoctor dot com because there's hardly a day goes by that I don't have to correct somebody reading bad stuff on the internet from some other part of the country. And I just go over and over telling them, look, go to dirtdoctor.com. You're going to find information and ideas and things that are useful to this area. But there's just so many people just make so many gardening mistakes when they rely on inadequate information, which the Internet is so full of. And you guys do such a good job with dirtdoctor.com. It's just a, a constant job to get people to make that their go-to source for information. Yeah, and the torque, the Texas Organic Research Center dot, uh uh, org that is totally different and goes into much more detail about right. the stuff that we don't recommend and why and all that stuff. So people see anything that uh, they want added or changed or whatever, let us know. We're continuing to edit it all the time. Very good. And, and one last thing on that note that uh, Roberta brought up yesterday is she was reading a study about the increase in the rate of autism and how it's just it's just absolutely horrible how many more autistic uh, young people we have out there. And I don't know why people don't put two and two together. That's one thing that the uh, pesticides, glyphosate, and things like that have been so directly linked to, and um, and and yet we, we tolerate. Uh, in fact, you know, the government practically encourages the use of uh, things like DEET-based insect repellents and all the weed killers out there, and just seems like... Somebody needs to open their eyes and say, duh, you think there might be a link here somewhere? Well, I did something I've never done before, and I was a little surprised that apparently it was accepted uh, from the note I got back. But my column that will run Dallas Morning News Wednesdays about Roundup. And, really? And uh, about the gut damage that it does and stuff, I worded it so that, you know, it's... <laughs> Not quite as harsh as you and I usually talk, but it gets the point over. And people can see my Dallas Morning News column uh, on dot com. You know, after it runs in the paper, we we put it on the uh, website, so people don't don't necessarily have to take the paper to get it. But it um, it's going to be interesting if they uh, don't change their mind and, and run it because it's a little rougher than I normally write in my column. Uh, sometimes you have to whack people pretty hard over the head to get their attention. And uh, I personally will look forward to reading it very much. And uh, you and the four-legged friends and two-legged family, y'all have a great week and uh, enjoy spring. It's uh, I think it's finally here. I think it's finally safe to plant the tomato plants now. No question. That's what I'm doing, trying to keep Nellie out of the tree. Everything is uh, <laughs> normal around here. Enjoy being with you, and we will see all you guys next week. And y'all have fun of McKinney if you make it up that way. And tell Tony, uh, I think I'm off. And I, I, the one thing I always think about Tony is that I think, as far as I'm concerned, the world record head of broccoli that you uh, had in uh, DirtDoctor.com, I think Tony still holds the record for at least the biggest head of broccoli ever grown in uh, Texas. So tell him I think I'm off. Okay. Thanks, Howard. We'll talk to you next time. Mr. Howard Garrett is the Dirt Doctor, and his website, dirtdoctor.com, just information that really is applicable to South Texas as well as North Texas, and very, very good information. All right, well, let's get to the phone lines, and Javier's up first. Good morning, Javier. Good morning, Bob. Yes, sir. Okay. 
uh, we're getting a little bit of, of drizzle here in the northwest, uh, light drizzle, so hopefully it'll pick up. Yeah, we need it. Uh, Bob, uh, a lady uh, called you earlier about uh, a plant, uh, mijo. Yeah. And uh, my neighbor had uh, told me that a couple of weeks ago she listened to the other program at the other station, and that the the host uh, told the the, uh, the caller that it means a son. Then that he he spelled it out M I H O, which is not the case. And uh, you know, it, mijo is with a J, not not an H. So uh, I told her, well, that's why you need to. That's why uh, you need to listen to Bob, <laughs> not the other person. Well, in all honesty, I've seen it spelled both ways. I'm surprised you even acknowledged it. They're so much into. Uh, um, the ones that are approved by the extension service and seems like they're so busy recommending orange frost, uh, they, they miss out, but Miho and Sito are both great Satsumas. Okay. Uh, Bob, uh, you spoke to, uh, Bruce and we, we used to enjoy him a few weeks ago and, and, uh, you said you were going to ask him to call on a regular basis. Did he agree or not? He said yes, but he hadn't done it yet. We talked on a Saturday, and I said, Bruce, call me back on Sunday. You called right at the end of the show on Saturday. And he said, okay, and I haven't heard another word from him since. Bruce is a busy person, and I think he also is a little distracted sometimes. So I'll shoot him an email and said, hey, Bruce, you promised a call and haven't heard from me yet. But I think he's just got so much going on. He's trying to get a new uh, radio show going on NPR, and he's got his new place out there in West Texas. And uh, I'll keep asking after him but i'm i'm still waiting for that call that hadn't come through but uh you know i'll get him on whenever we can that's fantastic and also uh the dr uh henderson i think it is he decided not to uh, continue uh, dr staffel's show um dr williamson that's the impression i get i talked to him the other day and he was still kind of him hawing around but i know he hadn't renewed his contract with the station so uh he may just be so busy with his dentistry dr staffel just made it a passion to you know help people every way he possibly could and uh there was only one dr staffel so um i'm still encouraging him to come back and do a little bit more with that show but um thus far and I understand how busy life is. You know, it's uh, it's hard to find the time to do everything. And uh, those folks were were actually buying their on air time. They were they were paying the station for the right to be on the air. And I just at this point, I'm not looking for them in the near future. But I'm hoping he'll be there one of these days. Yeah. Well, we lost Bruce. Then we lost Doctor Saffel. Oh, I hope we don't lose you because uh, you know we really do. Love your <laughs> well, I'm not planning on going anywhere, but, uh, you know, corporate radio is uh, is not the same as it once was, but I sure plan to be here for you, and I appreciate you called. You have a great weekend. Uh, let me get Zahn in here. Zahn, good morning. It is a beautiful morning, and I'm on the northwest side and got a little bit of a shower and hope to keeps developing we're going to see what's going to come from west texas that's a big one <laughs> yeah there's uh it looked to me like when i looked at radar earlier a lot of it's going to go north of us but hey we'll take every drop we can get i got three quick ones for okay. you on my tropical hibiscus it's from last year it was about an 18 inch bush it never quit blooming or growing throughout the winter time uh-huh. and now the stems and canes are two to four foot tall they're pretty much denuded of leaves and what leaves are left on it from last year are yellowing and falling off, but it's got new growth. It's healthy and it's full of blooms now. It's got five or six or seven on them right now. It just looks spindly because of the 
denuded stems. Am I going to set that back severely if I cut it back to bush, make it bushy again, or what should I do with that? Well, I'd give it a little time. It's partly thin because we just haven't had any sunshine this spring. Up till the past week, we, we hadn't strung two sunny days together for the whole year, and I'm going to give it, I, you know, I want to let it come out. I want to put on as much foliage as possible to strengthen the plant. Let's look at it in six weeks or so and see how it looks. At that point, if you need to do some selective pruning in order to get it fill out, to fill out, uh, that'll be the time to think about it. But right now, water feed and enjoy. Well, each of the stems do have lots of little buds up and down it, but mm-hmm. they haven't developed into any leaves or branches yeah. yet. And they're just they're just waiting for sunshine and uh okay. not gonna get it today, but hopefully we'll get it with the nice balance of sun and clouds number, in this future. Number, number two dryalis. Do I need to, to do any pruning on that or just leave it? It's a new plant to me and I've carried it over. I bought it in October and it, it depends on how large. If you want to keep it down in the three to four foot range, yes, you're probably going to need to prune it back some because it didn't really suffer much winter damage. If you can allow it to grow five to six feet tall, which is what I'm doing, just uh, water and fertilize and put the pruning shears away. I can put it in the ground, though, right? Oh, yeah. No problem. Absolutely. That's what I bought it for. Yeah. And last my sago I moved in uh, the summer of 17, it survived and did beautiful. Uh, it has yet to put on a new set of leaves. This is the second, I guess, third summer, second full year it's been in the ground. If uh, it, anything I can do to encourage it? Uh, just give it a little time. It's frequently May before they put on new leaves, and when they decide to go into a reproducing mode, uh, they'll go a year or two without producing any new fronds. But be patient with it. I'm not seeing many sagos at all that are putting on their new fronds yet, and uh, I, I think it will be closer to Mother's Day before you see any new growth. But just keep up with your watering and fertilizing, and it'll do the rest. Well, the one in front has put put on new leaves every year without any problems, but I moved this one. Yeah. Uh, and I just figured that recovery would be about a year, but it's been two now, and I'm chomping at the big up to get Well, I think this is okay. year's going to reward you. Thought I appreciate it. Right now, though, we're going to finish up talking to Pam and Frank, and Pam's up first. Hey, Bob, this is Pam at Burkheim. Well, good morning. And I have a good morning. I have a couple of questions for you. Um, I'm looking for evergreen up next to the house, so I don't want anything just super big. Okay. And somebody has suggested the bright and tight cherry laurel, but I kind of read some negative things. It sounded like it dropped seeds or berries, and it could be poisonous. Well, mount laurels just aren't the best plant for the hill country. Bright and tight is an improved variety, but... Um, you don't see very many of them around, and that's because they're just not the most successful plant. How much sun is this going to get, Pam, and uh, how tall can it grow, and are deer an issue? Uh, deer are no issue. Okay. Um, I prefer it not to get above the house. Okay. There's one spot that is in the shade and one is uh, more in the sun. Okay. Um, for the shadier spot, I would look at one of the big viburnums. Um, that is going to be something that will handle the shade, will be very low maintenance, will do very well. 
You could also consider Mount Laurel. Mount Laurel, of course, is native to the area. It's evergreen. It will grow in sun or shade. Obviously, produces more flowers in the sun. But uh, that would be, you know, another option for a good evergreen. Um, in the sun, I'm very partial to the uh, uh, the native, uh, the variety of native Yopon holiday that is called uh, Pride of Houston. It's big, it's dense, it's beautiful red berries, just almost nothing goes wrong with it. Um, there is, uh, and you know, I have an old green pit of sporum that's probably been right outside my back door for 80 or 90 years, a lot longer than I've been around, and it continues to grow and do well. Um, there are some, there's a variety of Nandina called Compacta that grows about four to five feet, beautiful foliage and, uh, just zero problems. I think there's several things that would be a little easier and better than cherry laurel. Are the, uh, Nandinas, are they not invasive? No, they, uh, the, uh, the Compactas are not. There's a lower one called, uh, Harbor Dwarf that doesn't even make any seed to begin with. And I I would say, if anything, they are minimally invasive. They're not like the uh, old-fashioned tall and the so-called heavenly bamboo that grow six feet tall and throw seeds everywhere. Okay, that's the ones I had. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You and my grandmother and me and lots of folks a few (laughs) years ago. Yep. Yeah. And one other question. I'm looking for grass in the shade. The only grass that's going to do well in the shade is St. Augustine. And the varieties of St. Augustine that are most shade tolerant, one of them is called Palmetto. The other is called Del Mar. Okay, Palmetto and Del Mar. Okay, and that, will they handle uh, foot traffic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, that was all my questions. Thank well, you. it's my pleasure. You have a wonderful weekend. Let me mention real quickly to African Violet Society's one-day show this year. Today, up at the Patrick Heath Public Patrick Heath Public Library in Bernie. Uh, she just reminded me being up in Bergheim, so that's something else for you to look yeah. for this weekend. Uh, it's Frank's turn. Good morning, Frank. Hi, morning, Bob. Morning. Uh, too quick. My roses bloom like crazy already, and some of them started to wilt. So how, when and how far do I cut them back? Second question is that uh, fungal area I had or, or grub worms, I've treated it with the uh, antifungal cornmeal, mm-hmm. and I've transplanted a little bit of my good grass over there. And my question on that is, does this hurt to uh, fertilize them with some organic every two or three oh, weeks? No, sir. In, or no, sir. If you... If the organic fertilizer is fine. If you want the fastest growth, I'd use something liquid, like maybe even has to grow, and okay. uh, it will fill in very quickly. The other thing over that whole area, if you can put a thin layer of compost down, just any good organic compost, uh, by early summer you should have solid grass again. You should have no evidence of that damaged area. Okay, that's good. And then in the roses, how far do I cut those back when those uh, bulbs, when they wilt and everything? Well, that's up to you. They don't have to be cut back at all, but uh, typically cutting them back this time of year, I'm just going to cut them back. If you, if you look at how the stem comes up, some of the leaves will be in clusters of five. Some of them will be in clusters of three. You always cut back to where you have five leaf clusters. If you want to go a little beyond that, um, you can, but uh, you always cut them back at least to where you're having the five leaf clusters. Oh, good. Okay, Bob. 
Well, that's it, then. Thank, thank you a lot. Now, and I'm going to get – I have some of that uh, cash to go. I'll get a little more and start doing that every you two st- three weeks. Yes, right? sir. Be just fine. Okay. Thank you so much, Frank.